I'm excited um, to teach this morning. We're kicking off a new series um, called Sacred Rhythms, and I'm excited about this series uh, personally, uh, but I'm also excited for us as a community because what we want to do over the next um, several weeks is really talk about um, and, and equip each other. We want to become equipped with a deeper understanding of important spiritual disciplines and realize that the impact of when we put those disciplines into practice, the impact that they can have as we are on this journey of what it means to follow Jesus. And, and here's the thing, maybe when you hear the word uh, discipline, I think some of us immediately cringe or some of us already feel defeated. And this is like the first week, we haven't even started it. And some of us are like, oh man, here we go. But can I, can I, and here's the thing, I think for many of us, we feel that way uh, because we feel like it's a complete overhaul of our life. But what if it's not a complete overhaul of your life? You know, many of us think about discipline, we think about uh, working out. And I'm on a journey of that becoming a discipline. And I'm, it's a very long journey. And, uh, but I'm here for the ride. But, but I think... Uh, for many of us, it's, it's, we feel defeated, and it's because we haven't done this well in other areas of our life. And so we look at our faith and our spirituality, and we say, well, what's going to be different about this? But, and, and many of us feel like we have to change our calendar, like we have to maybe change our diet when we choose to get in better shape, and that's a part of it. But what if God's not necessarily in the business of you overhauling your calendar, completely flipping your schedule upside down, but what if he simply wants to redeem the rhythms that you already have in your life? And what if he says, hey, I just wanna take the rhythms that you have in your life and I want to take some of those things and make them sacred. So it's not, hey, completely throw your Google calendar out the window. But it's like, hey, what would it look like if we took this block on your calendar and we made it sacred? What would it look like if we took this hour in your, your day and we made it sacred? Sacred rhythms. And this morning, we're going to kick off the series talking about the importance of, of having the spiritual discipline of reading the Word of God, not just to read it, but reading the Word of God, reading our Bible to hear from God. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to read it with the purpose of hearing. And so before we jump in this morning, let me pray for us really quick. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive, that you speak to us through your word. And Father, as we jump into this new series, I pray that um, for those of us who may already feel discouraged, God, I pray, would you get rid of that right away? And God, that you would uh, uh, just encourage us, remind us that we have to start somewhere. And, uh, but I'm believing that for many of us, we're gonna grow in our faith and in our relationship with you over the next several weeks. Would you help us to do that? And would you speak to us this morning? We wanna hear from you, God. Help us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You know, one of the things that I, I think I'm pretty good at, and I think uh, most guys assume they're pretty good at it, is multitasking. Anybody? Anybody think they're good at multitasking? 
You're probably not, but it's okay. Because uh, I think I'm pretty good at multitasking. You know, uh, you know we run into this, uh, my wife and I, we run into this a lot. I'll be watching um, HGTV or I'll be watching ESPN, one of those two. And uh, she comes in and she tells me to do something. Whether it's, hey, I need you to remember to take out the trash or, hey, I need you to remember to um, feed the dog. I'm kidding. We feed our dog. We don't forget to feed our dog. Okay, I'm kidding. Uh, but, and, you know, I'm watching, you know, whatever's on the TV or whatever I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. And then, you know, a little bit later on in the day, Tess comes in again, and I'm still doing what I'm doing, and, and then she yells at me in the most loving way possible. And she says, I thought I told you to take the trash out. And I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. And what happens, really, is in that moment where I think I'm good at multitasking, I'm actually terrible at multitasking, and what happens is I didn't hear her. She said something to me. I even acknowledged the fact that I think I heard you. I probably didn't, but sure, yeah, I got it. And I wonder how many of us do that when it comes to hearing from God. We wonder why we feel like God's not speaking to us. We wonder why we feel like um, it's hard for us to hear from God. And I wonder if maybe the spiritual discipline of simply reading the Bible has become the third task in a list of other tasks that we're trying to do all of these things at the same time. And so we're in this, we find ourselves in a season where it's like, man, God's not speaking to me. And it's like, no, 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 no. God's always speaking. But maybe there's just too much noise around us. You know, I, I, I think, um, you know, it, when it comes to Tess telling me something to do, it doesn't require uh, 60% of my attention. If I give her 60% of my attention, it's not, I'm probably gonna fail. Not that it's a pass or fail, not that, not that she's like that. Sometimes she is, okay, but uh, uh, I'm kidding. But in order for me to kind of do the thing and, 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 and hear her, receive from her, I need to give her my undivided attention. I guarantee you if she came into the room and I, I acknowledged that her presence was there and I said, you know what, let me just pause this really quick because technology is amazing now. We can pause anything, it's amazing. And I said, let me pause this. What do you have to say, my love? <laughs> I probably would have taken out the trash and she probably would be really happy. And, and, you know, she probably wouldn't, you know, when I try to cuddle with her, she probably wouldn't, like, push me away. And, and uh, she's not a cuddler anyway, so she's always going to push me away. But maybe we find ourselves in a season of feeling like God's not speaking to us, or maybe we're saying, God, I need direction in my life when it comes to this, and God, you're not giving me that direction. Or maybe it's, it's not because God isn't speaking to us, but what if it's because we just haven't created the right rhythm of hearing from God. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. And some people were like, oh my gosh, we're talking about reading the Bible. I don't have it with me. It's okay. If you have a phone, you got a Bible. And um, technology, we have it on this massive screen behind me. Um, but can I, can I propose something about this whole series? This whole series is about helping us realize that Sunday's not enough. Sunday's not enough. When it comes to following Jesus and growing in our faith, growing in our relationship, 
building and developing a foundation that we can stand on no matter what comes against us, Sunday is not enough. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And this is where we find Jesus um, in Matthew chapter 5. He's giving the Sermon on the Mount, which starts in chapter 5. And the Sermon on the Mount is just a collection of teachings where Jesus is teaching the disciples and the crowd really what it means to follow him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And, and this is how he brings this collection of teachings to an end. And I love that this is how he ends it. This is what it says starting in verse 24. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with the great crash. And so here, Jesus gives us a, a, a picture of two builders. We can name one Bob, and we can name one Dylan, okay? This has nothing to do with Bob Dylan. I just like Bob the Builder. And uh, I really do like Bob the Builder. But Bob is a great builder because Bob, he heard the word of God. And he didn't just hear it, but he put it into practice. And so Dylan over here heard the word of God, but chose to not put it into practice. And so we have this picture of Jesus giving us two builders, and here's what's the same. The same is the fact that they're both building a house. That's the similarity. They're both building a house. The other thing that's the same is Jesus says that they both experience storms. They both are going to experience a storm. The difference is which one of them decided to actually not just hear the word of God, but actually put it into practice and apply it to what they were building. And we see the difference. And I wonder how many of us would maybe consider ourselves to be Bob or how many of us would find ourselves being Dylan. And I've been, I've been Dylan. There are seasons in my life where I'm still Dylan because it's hard. But Jesus is trying to communicate through this story that we are all building something. And the most important thing that you're building is your life. And Jesus communicates that, that no matter what, we're going to face storms in our life. Jesus doesn't say that these builders might face a storm. He says, no, they did experience a storm. And so how we face this storm that comes against us, that's inevitable, is simply dependent on what we choose to build our lives on. The question is often asked, how can I hear God speak to me? We desire to know God and to have a personal relationship with God. We need God's affection, his power, direction, and guidance in our lives, and we want to build our lives on his word, but often we struggle to know where to find it beyond Sunday, if we're honest. Or we just choose not to find it at all beyond Sunday. But if we want Jesus to speak to us and we want to hear from him on a regular basis, then we have to create this sacred rhythm of reading and hearing the word of God. 
We have to know that God is still speaking and he's speaking to me, he's speaking to you and, and, and he's speaking to all of us personally. And as we read the word of God, what it does is it trains us to know how to hear God's voice. And God will never speak to us personally in a way that contradicts his word. He will never speak to us personally in a way that contradicts his truth. Even Jesus often responded to questions or challenges with, it is written. So what is he doing? He's saying, hey, go back to the word. Somebody would ask him a question, hey, hey. I already said it, man. Don't you hate when people do that, though? It's like, really, just tell me, okay? But many of us don't know what is written. So we don't know how to discern whether something is God speaking, the enemy speaking, or whether we're speaking. And so we have to read our Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But because we don't know what is written, we find ourselves feeling like our life is built on sand. And I don't know about you, but I hate sand. I love the beach, but I hate sand. Isn't that funny? Because it just gets everywhere. It's terrible. And you feel like you can never get rid of it, you know? But when we open our Bible with an open heart to hear from God and know God more, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the truth that we read. And in the process, our relationship with God and our lives are radically transformed. And we not only hear God speak to us, but we're able to build a faith and a life that can withstand the storms that we will face. We need the word of God. And what I want to do um, pretty quickly is just give us five reasons why it's important for us to read the Word of God, to read our Bibles beyond Sunday. And if you're taking notes, the first reason is this. When we read the Bible, it reveals God's heart towards us. Many of us are so quick to listen to what the world says about us. Many of us are so quick to listen to what our coworker says about us or, or, or uh, somebody else's uh, opinion about us. Or we post something on Instagram and we realize that uh, I only got 30 likes. What you don't realize is what you're doing is you're listening to other people's opinion about you. It doesn't seem like that because it just seems like, oh, it's just likes in a social media app. No, what you're really doing is you're trying to find your fulfillment in other people and finding your approval in other people. And so we're so quick to, to build our own life and our identity on those things. And then we find ourselves feeling defeated, feeling lonely, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling worried, feeling unworthy, feeling invaluable, feeling unloved. And if only we spent time reading our Bible, we would realize that the only thing that matters is really what God thinks about us and what his heart is towards us. See, look, the world may, may say that, that you're weak, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says that God's power is actually made perfect in what? Weakness. So what if you aren't weak? But what if what the world sees as weakness, God sees as strength? How, we, how do we know that? The word. And he will never speak to us personally in a way that contradicts his truth. 
People in your life may look at your circumstances or your situation and they say, there's no hope left for you. They say, there's no way you're gonna get through that situation. There's no light at the end of that tunnel, but Hebrews chapter six, verse 19 tells us that Jesus is an anchor for our soul that is firm and secure. It's the reason that some people, that maybe you know them, maybe you don't, maybe you see them from afar. I know I have these people in my life that when it seems like everything is stacked against them, they're walking in with a smile on their face. You know why? They understand God's heart towards them. They understand that God's heart for them is that, hey, I am a hope and an anchor for your soul so that no matter what comes against you, you can stand firm in the season and the place that I have you with the smile on your face. You ever see those people that you know the cards are stacked against them and they come in, hey guys, how we doing? And you're like, what? Why are you so happy? Let me tell you, most likely it's because they know Hebrews chapter six, verse 19. Because as they're reading the Bible, God's heart for them is being revealed to them. People may look at your life and see that you're going to church now. And maybe they knew you before you started following Jesus and started coming to church. And so say, there's no way you can be a Christian. There's no way that Jesus can love you. I have people say that to me all the time. People I went to school with, I tell them what they did, what I do. And they're like, what? You're a pastor? And then the conversation ends pretty quick. Um, but I still love them. And, uh, and they're on their journey. I'm believing for it. And, uh, but maybe that's your situation where people are like, hey, there's no way you can be a Christian. There's no way that the creator of the universe can love you. That doesn't make any sense to me. But what do we know? We know that Romans chapter five, verse six tells us that while we were utterly helpless, and I love that translation, utterly helpless, or in other words, when we were at our worst, God gave us his best, and Christ gave his life for us because of his great love for us. When we read the Bible, it reveals God's heart towards us, and, and we see God's heart towards us, and we start to believe this truth, and not all the noise that we hear from the world. Some of you may be in the room, and you're like, well, I, I don't know what my identity is. The more that we pick this up and we start to read it, the more that God's heart towards you is revealed. When we read the Bible, it reveals God's heart towards us. The second reason is this. When we read the Bible, it gives us direction. Anybody have those friends that when you're on vacation or you're going somewhere new and you're like, let me pull up Google Maps? Or like my wife says, MapQuest. <laughs> she still says it. Like, 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 I'm like, oh, can you pull this up? Yeah, let me just pull up MapQuest real quick. All right, Tess, MapQuest isn't a thing. Unless you're going to print them out and have the, the directions for me. This, this, isn't, this isn't working. So anybody have those friends who uh, are like, you know, you're like, oh, let me pull, put the address in my phone and we get the directions. In. And they're like, no, 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 we're good. I got it. And you find yourself, you're supposed to be, be at the destination in 10 minutes. But all you hear is rerouting, rerouting rerouting, and they say, I'll oh, just turn it off, I got it. And then you end up lost. Well, the same is true when it comes to our faith. Many of us are like, well, God, I don't know where, where, where you want me to go. I don't know what you're wanting me to do in my life. I'm looking for direction. Well, have you opened up the map? Many of us wanna go from point A to point B, and we're so fixed on the destination when God's saying, hey, there's so many little steps that I want you to take. 
could you like imagine it? Like I remember when I when I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't following Jesus, and I made a decision to follow Jesus, and I was still trying to figure out what that meant. To be honest, I came home and. My mom was getting ready for work, and I was downstairs. I was reading my Bible. I, I did the thing where you start in Genesis because it's a book, so you start at the very beginning. And um, really quickly, you get to the point where you can't pronounce any of the names that are in the genealogy. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I prayed. Like, I did a prayer to myself. I was like, okay, God, is this really important? Do I need to know these names? Okay, nope. Okay, God, thank you. Uh, let me just skip ahead, you know? Um, but, but what I realized very quickly, and I'm grateful for it, is that this really was, this is like Google Maps for our life and for our journey of following Jesus. And many of us are trying to get direction and, and get clarity and get guidance, but, but we're never even opening this up. And look, I'm all for having people who can speak into your life. I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, you still have to come back to this. You still have to come back to this. This is our roadmap. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I know that with my life, that as long as I have breath in my lungs, as long as I'm here on this earth, I'm always in a position of following. Let me say that again. There's never a point that as, as, as we're following Jesus, there's never gonna be a point where we arrive. Can I, can I say that? There's never gonna be a point where we arrive. You know what that means? That means that you will never stop needing this. And some of us need to get that out of our head. Some of us need to get that out of our discipleship process and what we think following Jesus is. Following Jesus will happen until I see Jesus. And so what that tells me is this will never go out of style. This is never gonna go out of date. But as long as I'm breathing, I need this. I need this. This is what gives us direction. How many of you guys are people who try to put things together, but you don't read the manual? It's okay. You can raise your hand. It's safe space. I do it all the time. That's why we have some furniture that don't work right. My wife hates it. She's like, just read the directions. I'm like, there ain't no directions. just a picture of a weird block dude. Ikea, y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, this is a doodle. This ain't no direction. How does he move his arm like that? It's because he's not real. But I wonder if some of us are trying to build our life without directions. And we find ourselves maybe one piece of our life and our soul in this spot and it's good, but then we realize that there's another part of our soul that's over here and we can't seem to get it out because it's stuck, it feels stuck. And I wonder if it's because we've been trying to build our life without the manual. And God's saying, hey look, I've given you direction. I've given you direction. When we read the Bible, it gives us direction. And we see this with the two builders. You know, the, the, the person who's, you know, I'm guilty of this, of not reading, not using the directions, that's what the builder did. The foolish one. He heard the directions, but he said, no, 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 I'm good. I'm going to build a better house. And as soon as the storm came, what happened? Or as soon as you sit in that chair, what happens? It breaks. Anybody been there? I've been there. The third reason is this. When we read the Bible, it renews our thinking. And this is so important because here's the thing. Most of our actions and behaviors are first a what? Thought. You don't do something that you didn't think about. And don't tell me this whole thing, oh, like I wasn't even thinking. No, at some point you thought about it. That scientifically can be proven. And so if 
our behavior and our actions start with a thought, then we have to understand that um, um, Christ died for us while we were still what? Sinners. Our nature, by nature, we are all sinners. And so what the word of God has to do, what Jesus has to do through us reading the Bible is he has to change the way that we think. Because by nature, we think like sinners. That's our nature. And what God came to do through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is he came to redeem our sinful nature and he makes us righteous through his sacrifice on the cross. But when we read the Bible, what happens is it renews our thinking, it changes our thoughts. Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, it tells us that unless we allow God to transform the way that we think, we won't learn to know God's will or plan for our life. Can I say that one more time? Unless we allow God to transform the way that we think, we won't learn to know God's will or plan for our life. In other words, if we don't read this Bible in such a way that we're allowing it to transform the way that we think, we're gonna be trying to figure out what God wants us to do for a little bit. He has to renew our thinking and how he does it is through us reading the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, it tells us that we have to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Why does the word of God tell us that? It's because it knows our nature is that we are sinners. And so we have to take every thought captive. We have to be renewed. Our thinking has to be renewed through us reading the Bible so that we can make every thought obedient to Christ. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who we had speak at She Is Free a couple of years ago, she's a scientist, and she's a brilliant scientist who looks like Celine Dion. I'm not kidding. Like, Google her, you're like, oh my gosh, Celine Dion. And, uh, but she's probably one of the most brilliant scientists in the world. And she's a follower of Jesus, and she writes in one of her books that's incredible, it's called Switch On Your Brain, she writes this, as we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. When you think, you build thoughts, and these thoughts become physical substances in your brain. Where do your actions come from? Your thoughts, but where do those start? Your brain sends something to the part of your body that is basically telling it to move. So, if we think we change the physical nature of our brain. When we think we build thoughts and these thoughts become physical substances in our brain, we have to realize that when we read the Bible, we, it renews our thinking. And our thinking has to be renewed. Our thinking has to be renewed. The, the way that we think will influence the way that we live. And so if we're trying to follow Jesus, become more like Jesus and lead others to the revelation that Jesus is for them, then we need to read the word of God because it renews how we think. We need to read the Bible because it renews our thinking. The fourth reason is this. When we read the Bible, it strengthens our faith. I don't know about you, but there are some seasons in my life when things around me don't make sense. And the only thing that probably can make sense is my faith. But if my faith is, is weak, it's going to look like an insurmountable mountain. And so when we read the word of God, when we read the Bible, it strengthens our faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Notice that it doesn't say faith comes from hearing and from hearing God when you pray to him. 
It didn't say that. It says hearing through what? The word of Christ. You know, when you get into a relationship with someone or a friendship with someone, the more you get to know that person by spending time with them, hearing about their lives, hearing about their journey, doing life together, what happens is you start to trust that person more, right? And what happens? Your faith in that person increases, right? The same is true when it comes to getting to know God. The more that we read the Bible and we hear about who God is, we hear about what he's done, we realize that he is in a personal relationship with us, wants to be in a personal relationship with all of us. It starts to build this trust that we have in him. It starts to strengthen our faith in him. When we read the Bible, it helps us to know his heart, know his character, know what he is passionate about. And to know that his strengths, as we do that, it helps us to trust him more. The only difference between people in, in, in our life that we do life with and God is that God's perfect. Isn't it interesting that we know God's perfect, we know that he's faithful, and yet we still have a hard time trusting him? And I wonder if it's simply because we haven't spent enough time reading his word. The fifth and last reason we need to read the Bible beyond Sundays and it kind of sums it all up is that when we read the Bible, it simply is this. It helps us to follow Jesus. Can I say this? We cannot follow Jesus without reading the Bible. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. It is not possible to follow Jesus the way that we're called to follow Jesus without reading the Bible. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, can you hear that this morning? It is impossible to follow Jesus the way that he calls us to without reading the Bible. You know, listening to podcasts are not enough. Coming on Sundays and seeing the Bible on this massive screen behind me is not enough. It's not enough because you cannot really follow someone that you don't personally know. You may, you may know who they are. You may know what they're kind of about, but for you to give them your whole life, it's not possible. You will never be fully surrendered to Jesus unless you start to read and understand who he really is. You know, John chapter eight, it says this, and Jesus is speaking to people who believed in him. This is what it says, verse 31, 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Some of us are like, why, how come I'm not free yet? And I would ask you the question, have, do you know the truth? Have you studied the truth? Jesus is telling people who are believing in him, and, and it's one thing to believe in me, but if you really believe in me and want to follow me, then you need to know my words and live my words, know my truth, live my truth, and then you can experience the freedom. We cannot follow Jesus without reading the Bible. And there's so many different ways um, uh, uh, to, to approach studying the Bible. And maybe that's your hurdle. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, well, I wanna study the Bible, but I don't know where to start. And maybe you're like me where you opened up to Genesis because it's a book and you think, oh, like any book, I'm gonna read it from the first page. And, uh, and you hit the genealogy section and it's like, ah, wow, that's weird. I can't pronounce half of those names. Who's coming up with these names? How come they just name a kid Devante, you know? <laughs> Um, and, and maybe you're here, you say, I try to read the Bible, but I'm not sure that I'm doing it right, or I don't know a good way to approach it, and so I don't. 
With the little bit of time that I have left this morning, I just want to introduce us to a way that some of you in the room may know about it. Um, it's a way that I still utilize um, as I study. And even as I prepare for messages, it's helpful for me. But the thing that I like about this is, is it's, it encompasses so many things, and it's called SOAP. SOAP. S-O-A-P. And, um, and this is what it stands for. SOAP. S stands for Scripture. You open your Bible to your reading for the day, take time reading and allow God to speak to you. When you are done, you look for a verse or a couple of verses that stood out to you. And what do you do? You write them down. Or if you're like me, you can type them up. I type them up in my Evernote. And uh, the second thing is observation. What do you think God is saying to you through the passage or the scriptures that you're reading? Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and reveal Jesus to you. Application is the A. Personalize what you have read by asking yourself how it applies to your life right now. Perhaps it's instruction, encouragement, a new promise, or even correction for a particular area of your life. Write how this scripture can apply to you today. The best question to ask after reading the Bible is, what am I going to do about what I just read and learned? And what I love about that is there's so many ways to study the Bible, but not all of them actually encourage you to do something with it. And we see what happened with the two builders in Matthew. One decided to do something with it, the other didn't. Application. And the last thing is prayer. This can be as simple as asking God to help you use the scripture, even a prayer, for a greater insight on what he may be revealing to you. Remember, prayer is a two-way conversation. So be sure to not just speak to God, but listen to what God's trying to say. So what I, I encourage people to do when it comes to prayer, because it is a two-way conversation, some of y'all are like, well, I'm not hearing from God when I pray. Probably because you're talking the whole time. I just say, just leave a couple minutes at the end. Just say, God, God, I'm going to listen right now. Man, it's never this quiet in New York. It's pretty incredible. And, uh, but, but how many of us actually leave a little bit of time to say, God, would you speak to me? I'm here. I'm listening in silence. We're so quick. Many of us got so much stuff we want to tell God, and that's awesome because he wants to hear it. But we forget that it's a two-way conversation. But what we, what we thought might be helpful is uh, my wife and, and her team, which is her and Leanne. Um, I made it sound like you guys a big team. Uh, they, they put together some incredible resources for us. Um, some of you might be sitting on it. But they created this bookmark. And, um, and on it, it has the soap thing that, that kind of walks you through each thing. And, um, and then we actually created a landing page on our website um, David, do you have that slide? Um, that, that if you go to libertychurch.com slash soap, it's not that you can buy soap. It's, it's so you can walk through this. And, um, and on that page, we've also have like, I think, eight additional resources of websites that you can use, applications that you can use that'll help you in this process. But I thought what would be a beautiful way to end um, this morning is for us to walk through a soap together. Can we do that? All right, so I want to just read Luke chapter 8. And, and here's, here's the other thing. If you don't know where to start, can I just tell you to start in the Gospels? Matthew, John, Luke, Mark, just start there. Because um, that kind of gives you a story of who Jesus is. And you can start there. And once you just spend time in those Gospels, you can get to a point where you can start trying to figure out what the genealogy means. Because it is significant. But if you're just starting to figure out where to start, start in the Gospels. So we're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. I want to read verses 16 through 18. And this is what it says. 
It says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come, come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. And so if I were doing a soap with Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18, what I would do is, honestly, I would probably write down both of those verses. I'd write down all three, 16, 17, and 18, because it's so small. So I would type it out in a little Evernote note that I have. And then I would actually read it again. And I would actually encourage you to read it probably three times. Because the first time you read it, you're going to see something. The second time you read it, it's going to catch your eye a little bit differently. And the third time you read it, you're probably going to see something that you didn't see the first two times. And so I want to read it just one more time. It says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. And so we have our scripture. We've written it down. Now we're going to move to observation. What do you think God is saying to you in the scriptures? What I feel like God is speaking to me through these verses is, one, that it matters what you do with the light. That's the first thing that I noticed. Jesus is telling me, what I should do with the light. That I shouldn't hide the light, but instead I should put the light on display like it's the shiniest thing in the world. I should be like, look at my light, y'all. <laughs> the other thing that stands out to me is, is, is it's important how you listen. That listening to God matters. Listening to Jesus matters. And so how I listen ultimately probably dictates a little bit about how I respond or even what I do with my life. And the last thing is this, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. And I think I, when I hear that, really in, compare, in contrast to what God's speaking to us in the light in verse 16, is that we're supposed to steward this light that God has given to us, like it's the most valuable thing that we have. And so those are my observations. So I would bullet point those things out. I'd write those three things out. And then I would move to application. And I would ask myself, how does this apply to my life right now? And you know how it applies to my life right now, this specifically is, uh, and I did this this week, and I had a situation where it came up this week, and I was like, God, you're so good. Um, is I was at, I was at a uh, coffee shop and I was sitting there, and a random person came up to me, talked to me, and I hate that, um, to be honest. I, that's not my personality. I'm just being honest. That's not my personality. I'm not crazy about, like, you know, that whole, I, if I go to a party, I'm, next, I'm clinging to my wife for dear God. Um, or I'm that guy in the corner with the drink and just, hey, hey, yeah. Um, but I was at this coffee shop, and this guy started to have a conversation with me, so I started talking to him, and then he asked me what I did. And my first thought was, uh, oh, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I work for the community, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> and my reasoning was good. 
I don't know why that came. I think I was like, just trying to get something out. I was like, community, what? And, um, and then I remember sitting there and I was like, oh, that felt really weird. And then I, I, you know, he stopped talking to me and then uh, he went and did his thing. I was still there. So I went over to him and I said, hey, uh, you know, when you asked me what I did, um, I kind of worked for the community. Really what I meant by that is I'm a pastor and I just didn't want to tell you because I felt like it might make you feel weird. Um, and so when I was going through this, it was like, oh, what if that's my light? And what did I just do? I hid it under a bed of my own uh, pride, of what somebody else would think of me, not what God thinks of me. And so as soon as I tell this guy that I'm a pastor, you know what he says to me? Uh, would it, wouldn't this be like God? Won't he do it? He said, oh my gosh, can I ask you a question? And he proceeded to tell me a story of um, his family losing someone recently. And what he asked for was, hey, could you, how does God fit into that? And I had an opportunity to just share, share with him, like, you know, as hard as it may be for you to see how God is still good in this situation, whether you believe in him or not, I don't know where you stand. Um, the thing that I do know to be true is that when things seem tough, God is the thing that I can cling on to. And that may not be tangible for you yet, but can I, can I encourage you that you're gonna get through this if you have a little bit of faith in God? That God is purposeful in this? That there's something greater that maybe God's trying to do in your life and the life of those that were close to this person? But I would have never had that opportunity if I hid my light. So application, application. And now I have to incur, like, remind myself, okay, just tell them what you do. Just tell them what you do. And there are moments where I tell somebody what I do and they, the conversation ends abruptly because they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and the last thing is prayer. What I like to do is I simply type out a little prayer in my note that I have. And it doesn't need to be long. And I think sometimes we think of prayer as only speaking. But you can write out a prayer. Um, you know, when I was uh, uh, in the process of getting rejected by my wife, um, <laughs> I wrote down a couple of prayers in a journal that I still have and in an Evernote that I still use. And I prayed, I prayed for her. Um, and I just said, you know, I didn't say like, God, change her heart, open her eyes. <laughs> I didn't say that. Stephen, where you at? You can come, Stephen. And, um, and Jen, Jen, you can come. I didn't say, God, open up her eyes, reveal that, remove that veil so she can see. <laughs> but I just prayed for her. I prayed for her. I said, God, would you just, would you be with her? Would you encourage her? Would you protect her? And, um, and I don't even think she really knew that. But what I was doing for me was as I was writing those things down, what it actually helped me do is it actually helped me have a bigger perspective. That even if maybe we never got married or started dating each other, that she still mattered to God. And so I think sometimes we only think of praying as something that we do to speak to God. Um, but the thing that I love about writing or typing out prayers um, is it actually kind of settles it within your soul in a little bit of a different way. It kind of solidifies it and you always have it to go back to. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things. And so what we wanna do is we don't wanna just leave you with like, hey, here's soap, go ahead and do it, figure it out. But what we actually wanna do is if you go to libertychurch.com soap, um, what we're gonna do is um, we're gonna walk through as a community this whole week, 
we're gonna walk through the book of James, all right? And can I encourage you um, that as you walk through the book of James, that as you do this soap, can you guys actually, if you're journaling it, if you're typing it, could you take a picture of it and just tag um, our community, Liberty Church Brooklyn, on social media? And here's why. What I love about it is it speaks to how God can personally speak to each of us. Because what I hear God in, in the, from the book of James may be different from what God speaks to Candace. What I hear in the book of James may be different from what God speaks to Marky in the book of James. Does that make sense? And can we do this together this week? Can we get excited about it? Everybody excited about it? Hey, uh, take your bookmark with you. Use the bookmark, it's beautiful, okay? And, uh, and we're gonna even, I'm gonna even post my soap um, every day this week so you guys can see um, what my journey is like. But I would love to see how God speaks to you over the next, um, this next week, these next seven days. And can I encourage you to lean into this? Lean into this, it matters. It matters, it matters. Candace, Rob, I'm gonna hand it over back to you guys this morning.